0: This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. I'm going to talk about process and patience. And those are truly, I think those are bad words in our society today. Those are the the P words, right? Your kids ever come home talking about the words somebody said on the bus? My dad, I heard somebody say the. D word, the the whatever word, they always use that first letter. Well, process and patience are the P words in our society today. We hate the idea of process, we hate the idea of patience. Isn't it true? I looked up process real quick because that's what I'm going to talk about today. Today I'm going to talk about process, and then next week I'm going to kind of talk about patience through the process. But a process is a series of actions that produce something that lead to a particular result. You should also have notes that came in your service guide, and you can follow along on there as well. A series of actions that produce something or lead to a particular result. Now, we live in the day of the instant celebrity, don't we? If you got somebody, a kid who decides, you know, they they know they've got a pretty good voice, what's the first thing they want to do? American Idol. The voice. Yeah, it's all they want to do. I don't need vocal training. I don't need to start small. I'm headed to the voice. I'm headed to America's Got Talent. Right? I know a lot of people that have gone to those tryouts that have incredible voices and, man, don't make it through the first cut. But we live in this day of the instant celebrity. I mean, YouTube, you know that's where Justin Bieber was discovered? His mom put up a few YouTube videos of him as a little kid singing, and somebody picked him up, and next thing you know, you know, he's got a huge recording contract. Instant gratification. That's our society today. We know what we want, and we want it right now. Nobody wants process. Nobody wants to take steps. We know what we want, and we want to jump to it right now. Y'all know one good sign of that is that everybody looks for the shortcut and everything, right? How many of you can look around your house? You buy a new house, and you go in, and you can see all the places where the builder took shortcuts. You're like, well, that was done really poorly. And just kind of ticks you off because they didn't take their time and do it right. Instead, they just tried to get the end result real quick so they can get that paycheck, right? You know, it makes me think, too. You know, I, I remember Sean and our, our first house was like, you know, I don't know, we paid like sixty or seventy thousand dollars, you know, thousand square feet, and and generally that's the way we start. We have to start small, right? And and our next house, hopefully, you know, we're doing a little bit better, and we can get something a little bit larger, and hopefully in the next one, you know, we can we can get something more like what we're looking for, and eventually maybe by the time you know we're a little bit older and middle age, maybe we can get something that we really kind of always wanted, you know, something that kind of fits. Our, our family and, and is ready for grandkids and all that kind of thing. But a lot of times we don't want to take steps. I mean, if you remember the housing market 12 years ago or so, they were giving out loans that they shouldn't have been giving out. And many, many thousands of people were able to get, jump from, uh, you know, an 800 or 1,000 square foot house to a 5,000 square foot house. And they had all these balloon loans and all these things. And thousands and thousands of people lost their homes just like that because there's steps. There's a process to everything that we do. You know, I I hear people, you know, well, I I just can't find a job. Been without a job, hadn't supported the family in a year, two years. Well, what about minimum wage? Well, I'm too qualified for minimum wage. Well, look, you got to start somewhere. Go through the process. Go in there and work hard, you know, and then you've got those, you know, who are coming right out of school and they immediately want a, you know, a $25 an hour job. Aren't willing to go back down. So, you know they're making ten dollars an hour and complaining that well I, I should be making fifteen I should be making twenty dollars an hour. They don't want to take the steps. They don't want to be faithful. They don't want to prove themselves and go through the process of working up in the process of promotion. I've got a guy that I'm I'm doing a lot of work for now that some of you uh, some of you may know of. He owns uh, he owns a lot of the Domino's Pizza locations around this region, a lot of them. And um, he's he's my age. He's he's thirty nine. And he um uh, he was telling me his story. He was. He was 14 years old and he started putting door hangers for dominoes on. He, he walked through the neighborhood to put, uh, put door hangers on. And he did that until, you know, next thing you know, he was cooking and then he was cashier, you know, at the location. And, and, uh, and by the time he was 20, he was in school at Old Miss. And, and one of the, the owner came and said, Hey, I've got this store that's losing $30,000 a year. You're a hard worker. Can you go over there and bring it back to life? And he said, I'll do it. And he said, If I make a profit, I get all the profits for that year. And she said, Deal. He made six figures at 20 years old. How' he turn that store around? Seven years later, he owned six locations. Talk about going through process, starting small, and working your way, working your way up. And I think about one of the big ones I think about is, is ministry. You know it's amazing to me that people come out of Bible school and they want their ministry today. God called me. But don't want to walk out the process of faithfulness, of serving another person's vision of study, of consistency, of investing, of building a sphere of influence. They want their ministry and they want it now. I don't know how many people, I, I actually may know more people who've gone through Bible school and are not in ministry today than otherwise because they got so frustrated and weren't willing to walk through the process. Life is a process. It has its highs, it has its lows, right? It has victories and it has defeats. It has gains and it has losses. That's life, isn't it? Science tells us that Um, for a living organism, there are seven life processes for them to classify something a living organism. And you've got to think that's in your notes. Respiration, the, the chemical process of providing energy to the cells. Excretion, obviously getting rid of waste. Reproduction and producing offspring. Growth from conception to maturity. Movement, the moving parts of the body. Nutrition, obtaining food to stay alive. And then sensitivity, the responding and reacting to stimulus. Those seven things have to be in place. Those seven processes that are ongoing processes have to be in place for something to be considered a living organism. Um, in like manner, we go through the physical processes of life, right? Any, any of you getting a little older? You, you, you feel the processes, uh, a <laughs> little different process than you were in your 20s and, you know, I hit 40 this year and, you know. I had for the first time make an appointment to see dad's urologist. I am 40 years old. We're talking about a urologist. What? We all go through the processes of life, right? Things change. Now, as believers, our souls are also in process. We're pursuing mature, spiritual maturity, and our desire is to allow our soul to go through that process to become everything that God has called us to be, right? And God offers to take us through the process. He he never said that it would be painless or that it would be easy. But God walks us through the process. And it can be fulfilling and it can be rewarding. He promises to walk walk with us through the process if our hearts are turned toward him. And listen, for us as believers, the process is not just survival. In the animal kingdom, these processes of life, they're just simply survival, right? For us, we're pursuing the abundant life. Y'all know Jeremiah 29, 11? This is the the graduation scripture, right? For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for good, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. That's God's desire. We are in process to achieve that, that, um, that future and that hope. That's good news, isn't it? He does this by molding us into a vessel that he can use for his purpose. Isaiah 64, 8 says, And yet, O Lord, you are our Father, we are the clay, And you are the potter. We are all formed by your hand. And this actually got me thinking, I've never really done much of a study on the potter. And so I went back to Jeremiah, Jeremiah 18, if you want to turn there, or it'll be on the screen. In Jeremiah 18, uh, verse 2 through 6, I'm going to read from the New Living. It says, um, God's speaking to Jeremiah, and he says, Go down to the potter's shop, and I will speak to you there. So I did as he told me, and I found the potter working at his wheel. But the jar he was making did not turn out as he had hoped, so he crushed it into a lump of clay again and started over. And then the Lord gave me this message. O Israel, can I not do to you as this potter has done to the clay? As the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand. And the word potter there, if you look at the original word, it actually is a word that means shaper. And it actually is always used to to describe God's creative ability. If you go back to Genesis chapter 2 when it says that God formed man from the dust of the ground, it's referring to God in that creative aspect, referring to him as a shaper in that, in, that, in that scripture there. And so I want to talk about the potter for a minute. I looked up pottery and how a potter forms the vessels, and there's seven steps. I want to run through these pretty quickly, but the first step in forming the vessel, what is the first step? You got to get the clay. Number one is choosing the clay. And back in that day, they would go down to the riverbank. And they would find a good piece of clay, something that was pliable, that they could work with, and, uh, and they would put it in a, in a vessel of water and take it back home. And so they would, in the same way, God looks at us, and of all the creatures of the earth, God chose us. He's the potter, right? And we're the clay. He looked down at you, and he chose you to be his clay. You may not see yourself as necessarily the brightest or the smartest. It doesn't matter. He chose you. He knows what he sees in you. You were chosen before the foundations of the world in Christ Jesus. First Peter two nine says, "You chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light." The second step is called wedging. This is the process of removing air bubbles from the clay. Now, this is very important. If they leave the air bubbles in the clay, what's going to happen when they put the fire to it? That air expands, right? You got this beautiful vessel that all of a sudden has a big lump on the side or a blowout, right? They can't have air bubbles in the clay. So he will press these out. He'll spend as much time as he needs to press out all these air bubbles. Sometimes they would even have to stand on it and work it out with their foot to get as much weight as they needed on there to push those air bubbles out. Um, And, you know, there's many things in our life that are air bubbles. Pride's one of the big ones. I don't need to walk through the process. I know what's best for me, right? Note too, what I mentioned a minute ago, that they always kept the clay in a vessel of water. It had to stay wet in order to stay pliable, right? It had to stay covered in the water at all times when it wasn't being used. And in the same way, we need to be covered with God's word. That's why it's so important that we stay tuned into Him and walking with Him. And we have to yield to the pressure. God will come through His word and He will apply pressure to our lives to push out some of those things that don't need to be there so that He can use us for His glory. Number three, the third step is called throwing. Now, they don't actually throw the clay. This is actually just simply the process of forming it on the wheel. So they got the wheel going, and they start forming the clay on there, and he uses his hand to simply apply pressure uh, as the wheel revolves, and this pressure begins to bring this vessel into form. And really, this is where we show the ultimate sign of surrender in our lives is when we allow ourselves to be in the potter's hand. We allow him to shape us. That, that That is surrender and trust. The fourth step is called altering. And this is when he begins to alter the body of the vessel. The vessel has taken its form and its shape, but now he pulls out the carving knife and he begins to carve out things and maybe cut off pieces and sometimes even add pieces to it to bring the vessel to make it look the way that he wants it to look. And really, many times, this is our point of resistance in the process when he pulls out the knife and says, we need to cut this part away to make you into what you were designed to be. The fifth step is called bisking. This is when they leave the vessel out in the sun to dry. And, you know, it's got its shape. You can begin to see what it's going to look like, but this is also its most fragile point. And the potter has, has to be very careful as he brings it out there and sets it in the sun. And even as once it's dry, even moving it back, because it's very brittle and very fragile. And this could be an indication of kind of the wilderness experience in our lives. And those moments as we're walking through the process and we feel kind of, Alone and fragile. Have you ever been there? Maybe you're easily offended and hurt. And we got to understand, too, that, though, that the, path, the, the potter is very careful during this time. And he's always got that vessel, that beautiful vessel, under his watchful eye. And he moves it very delicately and takes care of it. The sixth step is glazing. Now, those of you who have taken your kids to paint a piece, you know it looks a lot better glazed, doesn't it? Once it's glazed, you go, wow, that's beautiful. You can really see it now. And it actually gives it its texture and its color and its brilliance. In it, and it protects it. It seals it, right? So they put that glaze over it. And this is where we begin to grow in spiritual maturity. And we begin to reflect the presence of the Lord. And we begin to reflect our Savior. Ephesians 1.13, In him you have trusted after you've heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in, him, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And then number seven, the last step in, in, in the potter goes through is the firing. This is when it goes into the furnace, into the kiln, right? Any of you ever seen a kiln? They say the temperature, it depends, but it'll be anywhere between 1,700 and 2,300 degrees. That's hot. They put the fire to it. And the fire, it's incredible how the fire strengthens that vessel in that time. You know, Hebrews 12, 29 says, Our God is a what? A consuming fire. And I like uh, 1 Peter 1, 7 says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now, and it's talking about trials. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold uh, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise and honor and glory at the revelation. Of Jesus Christ. Awesome. So I'm gonna give you just, uh, I'm I'm just gonna give you three things here. Um, Wow, we are already short on time. Number one step in uh, going through the process, number one is just simply to recognize the process. And I'm not gonna spend a whole lot of time on this because I think we all, just in what I've said so far, we all recognize that we are in a process in life. Every one of us here today finds itself in a different place. You may have just more recently, in the last few years, given your life to Jesus. And you found yourself standing among the chosen. And this is a new thing to you. Or you may be in a place in your life where you're being strengthened by fire. How many of us have been there? It's a tough place sometimes, isn't it? But we can always be encouraged because the potter is doing his work and he will complete it if we allow him to. So we've got to recognize that we're in process. It doesn't matter if you are 99 years old. As long as you have breath, you you are still in process. The Lord still has something for you. And understand, too, that there is purpose in the process. We want to skip the process, but the process is important because there's purpose in it. We're pursuing a desired end. Our desired end is that we would be a vessel that pleases and honors God. Right? It also recognizing that we're in process also inspires humility in us, doesn't it? Because we're recognizing the fact that we haven't arrived and we've still got a ways to go, right? I think we would all admit that, hopefully. We're all in process and that's okay. And as I've, I've said at different times before, the only thing I would say here, though, is if, if we're in process, we should also be making progress. We should be moving forward. True? So, First step I want to give you there was recognize the process. Second is to trust Him in the process. I want to go back for a minute to our, uh, our graduation scripture. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Now, you walk in any Christian bookstore and you grab a graduation card for somebody and all of them have that on there, right? Most of us have never read the rest of that chapter. And I want to jump back to it for just a minute. Basically what we have here is Israel had forsaken God again. They had stepped away. They were doing their own thing, right? And so God allows them to be delivered into Babylonian captivity. So now they're captives of the Babylonians, and a short time goes by, and they begin crying out to the Lord again, right? Lord, deliver us! Lord, save us! We don't like these heathen Babylonians we an in moral culture. We don't belong here. We want to go home. If, 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 if you'll just deliver us this time, I promise, we'll, we'll worship you forever. Right? And so you have a prophet. The prophet Hananiah stands up with a word from the Lord. And he says, you will be delivered in two years. And the people are all excited. We're going to be delivered in two years from the Babylonians. And... Jeremiah stands up and says, you're a liar. You're a liar. You're a false prophet. That's not true. And you'll be dead in two months. He was dead in two months. So then Jeremiah gets his word from the Lord. And here's what he tells the captive Israelites there in Babylon. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says to all the captives he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. He says... Build your homes and plan to stay. That's encouraging. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. Then find, spot, find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply, do not dwindle away. And work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I've sent you into exile. Babylon. Pray, for the, pray to the Lord for it, for Babylon, for its welfare will determine your welfare. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says. Do not let your prophets and fortune-tellers who are with you in the land of Babylon trick you. Do not listen to their dreams because they are telling you lies in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. This is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years. That's a process. But then I will come, and I will do for you all the good things I've promised, and I will bring you home again. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for good. Not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Puts it in a little different perspective, doesn't it? I, I, I hope that lasts. I hope verse eleven was encouraging for him. But you know what's amazing to me? People that say you ask people how they're doing. I'm blessed. It's such a blessing to walk in the perfect will of God. And you know, you know that's easy to say when things are going really well for you, isn't it? You know, and then there's other people that say, I, I don't know what God's will is. I can't walk in God's will. Things are going terrible for me. This can't be God's plan for my life because things are going so badly. You know, I, you know my car's always broke down. I'm late on a payment on my house. My, you know, I, my kids are always fighting among each other. I, I can't be where God wants me to be, you know, in my life because things aren't going well. It doesn't look like things were going too well for children of Israel right there either. I'm not saying you are in God's perfect will. I'm simply saying we can't judge that on how things are going. We can't judge it on the outward appearance. Let me ask you this. We know the end of the story as far as Jesus goes. Where would Jesus end up? He would end up as the Lord of lords and the King of kings, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the Redeemer, right? The one who holds the keys of death, hell, and the grave. What did he have to do to get there? Boy, that was a process. You know, I think we can all agree that Jesus was always in God's perfect will. Was he in God's perfect will as he was being beaten and as he hung on a cross? He was in God's perfect will. And he even cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he was walking in God's will. You may be at a point in your life right now where you feel like you're just being beaten up. doesn't mean that you're not walking in God's will in your life. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus cried out three times to the Lord. Lord, please take this from me. I mean, the soldiers are on their way. And he's in the garden crying out three times, Lord, save me. I, if there's any way, I, I would rather not walk through this. But he ends each time saying, not my will, but yours be done. That's the only thing that trumped Jesus' will was Father's will, right? Trumped it every time. And I'll read you Hebrews 5, 7 through 10. It's in your notes. This is about that time while Jesus is praying. And while Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience through the things he suffered. And in this way, God qualified him as a perfect high priest. And he became the source of eternal salvation for all those who obey him. And God designated him to be a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. God heard his prayers. And they weren't answered in the way Jesus would have preferred. True? He had to walk it out. God did respond, though. Scripture tells us that angels were sent to comfort him. As he knelt there in the garden crying out to God, there were angels there giving him peace and giving him comfort. And he knew that he could walk this out. He knew that he wasn't alone. You know, in the same way, in your notes, I've got this written. God may not always answer our prayer, but as we keep our hearts turned toward him, he'll always be there to comfort us through the process. He'll always be there to comfort us and to walk us through the process. Don't fall into the trap of believing that just because things aren't going your way, you aren't walking in God's will. Or vice versa. You must not be in God's will because things are not going your way. Both mindsets can be totally wrong. I, I would encourage you, if you have questions on, about being God's will, I, I did a message in November on, um, on design for destiny, and, and I, started, I started repeating myself and a lot of things I said then, but, but um, I, I encourage you to go back and get that at the, at the table in the back or jump on the website. But here's, here's what it boils down to. You know, we're, we're talking about trusting him in the process. Do we believe what he says? Do we believe he is who he says he is? Do we believe that we are who he says we are? Does he keep his promises? We've got to trust him. We can't judge things by what we see through our eyes. And don't get me wrong here, we've got to keep our heart turned toward him. And we've got to seek God's will with our life, right? But at that point, when we are trusting him and we're submitted to him, we've got to let go and we've got to trust him regardless of what our eyes see. And we've got to truck forward. So that was the second step, uh, was trust him in the process. And the third step, which kind of links into that, is submit to the process. And that kind of goes hand in hand with, with trusting him. You know, you ever... You know, Christmas time, the worst part of Christmas is putting your children's toys together, right? You ever tried to get in there and change, you know, put the battery in and you can't get the crazy battery thing off and it requires a, a screwdriver for this little screw, a screwdriver smaller than they make, you know, to, to get down there and try and get the thing off and you fiddle with it and fiddle with it and you're just like, ah! But, you know, I wonder how many times God looks at us the same way. We're fighting Him through the process, we make everything so difficult. You know, those toys, they put like 3,000 twist ties on there. You're like, <laughs> how many times has God looked at us, and, and we are just bottled up and closed off and not allowing him to work us, and he's got this piece of clay, which is us, and it's just hard and lumpy, and he's trying to press into it, and we're just resisting. We've got to submit, and we've got to let go. Uh, the example I was, I was telling Shauna last night is, is, you ever tried to take a splinter out of your small child's foot? You better not show them that needle, right? Because they're screaming before you ever touch them. We got a splinter out of Shauna's hand yesterday working in the, working in the flower bed. She was screaming and it was crazy. <laughs> oh, she's got to submit to the process. <laughs> uh, yeah. But you're, you're trying to get this splinter out and you're trying to explain to them this is, that splinter in your foot is going to be painful. It needs to come out now. And here's the reality. Usually, it's a little surface splinter. A lot of times, you can just graze the surface the skin with that needle, and you can pop that thing right out, and it doesn't even hurt. But they're screaming the whole time, right? Sometimes, you ever had a bad splinter? Sometimes they're tough. (laughs) The ones that go straight in, and and you can't get, every time you touch it, it goes down further, and you're trying to get to the thing. Sometimes it does hurt a little bit, but we have got to submit to the process. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord, follow your heart, lean not on your own understanding, and all your ways submit to Him, and He'll make your path straight. We have got to submit to the process. We have got to be willing to take the steps necessary to get to where what God has for us. I wanted to go a little further with this, but I'm going to talk about it more next week. You know, with uh, with with patience, but you know, talking about the process, I thought I was thinking about the process that um, that uh, David and and uh, Joseph, you know, had to go through. You think about David. Sorry, this mic is like feels like it's dropping off. Um, you think about David. You know, he comes in, he's crowned the king of Israel, right? As a boy, and where was he sent? He was sent right back out to the shield, out to the field to take care of the sheep. You think about the process. If he had known, yeah, what if Samuel said, yeah, you're going to be king, but you're still going to be a shepherd for a while, and, and your brothers are going to kind of despise you. And uh, then you're going to, have to, you're going to have to take out some lions and bears along the way, and, and then you're going to have to take down a giant. And, and then the oh, king's going to try and kill you several times. And, and, you know, years and years down the road, you'll be king. You'll be, you'll be king if you can stick with it. That wouldn't be very encouraging, would it? We have got to submit. We've got to get to the place where we say, God, I trust you. If you need to get something out of me, then I submit. I'm going to let you do it. I'm going to walk through the process to accomplish everything that you have for me. Uh, I've got to wrap up. Take a look. I, I saw this, this video this week. As you, as you meditate on this for a minute, on the potter and what he's doing in your life, take, take, a, look at this, uh, take a look at this video. Question this morning Are you submitted to the Lord and His process in your life? You know, when we are submitted to His way, His, His process, and His will in our life, we can actually breathe easier. We, don't, we realize we don't have to go it alone. You know, something else during worship, I, I was kind of, I don't know, I, during the moment there, the Lord kind of showed me something else I wanted to mention too. You realize you may be going through, through some rough things in the process. Doesn't mean that God brought those to you. And I kind of looked at it differently. I looked at, I was kind of looking at process just as a means to an end, but the way I kind of saw it in my mind was we go through these these places in our lives, and and to for God to use us at this point, we have to get to this point. And so we're journeying to get there. And whether that path is going to be easy or hard, you know, is kind of irrelevant. We're still working to get to this one point. And there will be be pits along the way and there will be traps. There will be hard things that we'll encounter. Sometimes we'll get a bright, shiny day that we'll be able to just cruise along. Sometimes we'll make a bad decision and it'll trip us up. We'll find ourselves laying on the ground on the way to this point. But all these things are part of the process to getting to that point. Does that make sense? Where God can use us. And so we've got to We've got to realize that, you know, God, God used the lion and the bear to prepare David for Goliath, right? It doesn't mean that God sent a lion chasing after David, <laughs> but as a shepherd, that's one of the things he would have to deal with, right? He had to get to the point where he was ready to take on Goliath. We have got to trust him, we've got to be submitted to him, and we can breathe easier knowing that we have done that. See, we've always been told that it's bad to be satisfied with where we're at. That we should always be aspiring to more in the Lord, which is, is true in our relationship with Him. We should always be trying to go deeper. However, how many of you have ever found yourself with the Lord? You've kind of found yourself in a holding pattern. And you're just kind of seeking the Lord and the Lord brings assurance to you that you're right where you're supposed to be. And you're questioning that. Am I where I'm supposed to be? I don't know if this feels right. This is kind of weird and uncomfortable. And this doesn't, this doesn't look like the dreams that you've given me, Lord. But it's part of the process. And God can bring you that satisfaction, that moment. I, I've talked before about a number of years ago, I was questioning all kinds of things in my mind. And, and I'm I walking into this church, wasn't even there for a service. And, and this guy calls me out and, and just had a word for me and, and tells me, speaks just the words I need to hear. You're right where you're supposed to be, right where I need you to be at this point. I've got your back. And that was what the Lord was saying to me in that moment. And I was questioning. I thought, am I, wearing, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Does that make sense? I was dissatisfied. The Lord was saying, you're right where you're supposed to be. Work hard. Be faithful. Prove yourself. I heard a quote. I read a quote the other day. It said, if you can survive the process, progress is guaranteed. Let me tell you, you can survive the process. God will be there to bring you comfort and to bring you peace and to walk with you. He will always walk with us through the process. And in the process, we will make progress. We'll move closer to that desired end, which is a vessel that's pleasing and honors God. Let's bow our heads as we we close. I would ask you, you, are you in the process? Are you just in survival mode? Your, the processes of your life are just about survival, just to, just, just to pay another bill, to work another day? Or are you in process? Are you allowing God to work in your life and form you into that vessel that is pleasing to Him and that honors Him? Are you seeking that spiritual maturity? Are you submitted to Him no matter what you see going, around, going on around you in your life today? The circumstances, they can be tough. But when it comes to that desired end, it's irrelevant. I would ask you, do you have a desire to please God with your life? Is His Word your guide? Do you listen when He points out that area in your life that you need to deal with? When He he presses His palm into you trying to work out that air bubble, are you submitted to that? You know what that's really called? That's called giving your life to Jesus. That's called making Him Lord of your life. That's called surrender. That's what we do when we we say, Lord, Jesus, be the Lord of my life, lead me and guide me. That's what it means that we submit to His process, that we allow Him to work on us. If we've surrendered our life to Him, we'll be able to breathe easier. We'll be able to walk in peace and joy even in the midst of a storm. We'll have the desire to live a righteous life. We'll feel conviction when we do things in our life that doesn't please and honor Him. I would ask you that. No, our salvation is not based on works, but does it hurt your heart when you know you let the Lord down? If not, I encourage you to surrender your life to Jesus today. Make him, Lord. We're all going to pray together in a minute, and, and we're just going to tell him, Lord, I, I'm done doing things my own way. I'm done doing things in my own time. I'm done with instant gratification. I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to allow you to walk me through the process, and I'm going to submit to it. Even in the times, sometimes when it's kind of painful, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to know you've got my hand. I'm going to know you're walking with me. Every head bowed, if that's you and you would say, I need to submit to the Lord in my life today, lift your hand for me right quick. Yes, who else would say, I need to submit my life to Jesus today? Amen. Who else would say, I'm done living my life for myself? Lord, I'm gonna put you first. Anybody else? Even if you didn't raise your hand, I encourage you to jump in on this prayer. We're gonna pray together. And the Bible says that if you mean this when you pray it, that everything changes. You're taken out of the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of light. The Bible says you become a new creation and your sin is separated from the Lord as far as the east is from the west. All you've got to do is pray to the Lord of sincerity and ask Him. Let's pray together. Dear God, I know I've lived for myself. I've been living for myself and I want to change. I'm done doing things my own way. Today, I ask Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Jesus, I thank you for coming. I thank you for dying in my place. I thank you for taking my guilt and shame. I thank you for taking my sin and dying in my place. I declare that you are Lord of my life. You're the captain of my life. I submit to you. I will follow you all the days of my life from this day forward. Holy Spirit, fill me now. Empower me to be everything that you've called me to be. In Jesus' name, let me pray over you. God, I just thank you for every person here this morning. We thank you that life is a process. Everything about life is a process. Our relationship with you is a process. Our spiritual maturity, being formed into that vessel that's pleasing and acceptable to you is a process. And we submit to it, God. Lord, we're not gonna try and jump the gun. We're not gonna try and do things in our own time. We trust you. Even when things look tough, We trust you and we submit to you. We do choose to go deeper, God. We want to know you more. Lord, we dig into your word and we pray, God, that it will be written on the tablets of our hearts as that pliable clay that we would always be covered in your word in Jesus' name. We love you, Lord. We trust you, God. And I thank you that even when things get tough, Lord, you are there to comfort. You throw your arm around us. You're the coach that's always whispering in our ear, you've got this. You can do it. I'm with you. I'm right beside you. You can make it. You've You've got another day. You've got another day. down